For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. Oh, the foolishness of youth! But some youthful mistakes cost more than others. Solomon goes on to say, He was passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening at the time of night and darkness. Are you starting to get the picture? He says she was dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Do you lack the kind of sense that keeps you from traveling into dark places? Are you still living like a foolish youth? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian Davis. Thanks for spending part of your Thanksgiving holiday with us. For the past few days here on Something Good, Ron has been looking at what the book of Proverbs says about sexual immorality. Along the way, we've seen how slowly and subtly sexual temptation can lead to sexual sin. And if we're not careful, sexual addiction how can we avoid these issues? Find out next as Ron continues this series, Why Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Ron with part four of his Something Good Radio message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. In other words, you can't be lazy about the spiritual armor when it comes to the Word of God. You have to read it, you have to study it, you have to saturate your heart and your mind with the truth. You have to meditate upon it. That means think about it and then think about it again. And you commit it to memory. Just like David said in Psalm chapter 119, verses 9 through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man, a middle-aged man, an older man keep his way pure? He says, by guarding it according to your word. Building those fortifications in the mind. He goes on to say in verse 11, I have stored up your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, again, talking about scripture memorization and meditation and reading and Bible study focused on the topic of discussion today. So how do you avoid sexual seduction, number one? Renew your mind with the Word of God. It's going to take some work to do that and to build those fortifying walls. Number two, run from every form of sexual temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, flee, flee sexual immorality. Run from it. Guys, a real man runs from sexual temptation. He doesn't say, well, I, I got this handled. I'm older and wiser. I, 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 I can take care of this. You're a fool if you say that. Run from it. Somebody once said that the best thing to, to have when you're handling sexual temptation is a pair of track shoes. 
You know, run, Forrest, run. Remember Forrest Gump? Just run, Forrest, run. Just run. Run, flee from it. Look what Solomon says to his son, verses 6 and following. He's picturing himself at the window of his own house, seeing wise and naive young men fall into these seductive traps. He says, for at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, at, at the time of night <clears throat> and darkness. And the question you want to put at the end of verse 9 is, why is he there? <laughs> uh, this young, naive, simple lad is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he doesn't know the trap that he's walking into. No, the better thing is to, is to flee, to run from sexual immorality. Joseph in the Bible is a positive example of this. You remember Joseph in the book of Genesis? Joseph was sold into slavery by his uh, jealous brothers, and he ends up in Egypt working for a guy named Potiphar, who was second in command. And Joseph would go to work every day. Actually, he's kind of under house arrest in Potiphar's house, but he would work in Potiphar's house, and, and he was doing a good job, a faithful job. But Mrs. Potiphar was one of these seductresses. Maybe some boredom had set in between the relationship between Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar. But she, she saw this young, handsome Hebrew man, and she stared him down day after day after day, uh, made suggestions to him. E even one day grabbed him and said, lay with me. And you remember what Joseph did? The Bible said Joseph ran out of there, and she's reaching toward him, and she has such a tight grip on his his clothing, that she tears a little bit of his clothing as she walks away. She uses that to falsely accuse him later and to frame him, and he then is sent to prison. But Joseph says to her, how can I do this against my God, let alone against my boss? And I think, what a, what a wonderful conscience Joseph had that was shaped by his relationship with God. He ran. He put on his Nike track shoes or his Nike sandals or whatever they were, and he ran out of there. That's how a real man handles sexual temptation. You just don't go to the place, whether physical or digital, that might cause you to stumble. Don't go there. Just don't be in the vicinity. Don't be in the place. Solomon says, I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing these boys walking down to this district over here. And they're just walking into a trap. I run from that. You, you walk the other way. So Joseph is a positive example. David, King David in the Bible is a negative example. Do you remember his liaison between himself and Bathsheba? That section of Scripture begins this way. It was springtime, the time when kings were out on the battlefield, and David stayed home. He was in the place he shouldn't have been. And when you're in the place you shouldn't be, bad things happen. And that's when he gazed and he looked at Bathsheba and, and the rest is history. So renew your mind with the Word of God. Run from every form of sexual temptation. Number three, get radical about protecting your spiritual integrity. Go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and I want us to look at the words of Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount. 
I love the way he raises the bar on righteousness throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 27, he says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay? Remember, adultery starts in the head or the heart before it ever starts in the bed. And lust is looking at another person and imagining the sexual possibilities. Jesus said that breaks the seventh commandment as much as anything else does. Now, right on the heels of that, he, he gives some instruction on how to avoid this kind of temptation and seduction. He says in verse 29 of Matthew 5, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. You say, what in the world is Jesus talking about there? He wants me to gouge out my eyes and cut off my right hand? I mean, how crazy and how radical is that? Well, when I was in seminary many years ago, I learned that one of the first steps in Bible study is to understand and identify the literary form of the text. Uh, the Bible contains all forms of literature from historic narrative to parables and, and poetry. And Well, here Jesus is using what we call hyperbole. It's exaggeration to make a point. He's saying if you want to maintain sexual integrity and not fall into sexual sin, you're going to have to get radical because sin dealt with radically is sin dealt with effectively. And he says, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If that thing that's in your hand, that digital thing in your hand is causing you to stumble, then call up Verizon or Cox or whatever your internet provider is and cut it off. If you can't handle uh, unfiltered and unaccountable media inside your house when you're alone in private, then cut it off or find an accountability partner who, who sees everywhere you go on the internet. If you're a traveling businessman or um, in some form of work where you're, you're, you're traveling a lot, be, be careful of your surroundings. Uh, let, let somebody who you're accountable to, certainly your spouse, but maybe somebody else, know everywhere you are. I remember reading years ago that Billy Graham during his uh, ministry never traveled alone, and he never uh, counseled a woman alone in his office. I've maintained that policy for more than 25 years in ministry, not because I don't trust her. I may not trust myself. I don't want to put either of us in an awkward position, right? So you just put those kind of boundaries. You get radical radical about protecting your sexual integrity. And particularly if this is an area where you stumble in. Oh, the world may say, wow, that's just, that's just strange. No, you're, you're just serious about protecting it, right? Not if you've got it, flaunt it, but if you've got it, protect it. And Jesus tells us to do that, to get radical about it. Sin dealt with radically is sin dealt with effectively. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, making wise choices about sex. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry, which means we depend on your faithful prayers and financial support. Gifts that help Ron share the gospel through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give today, we have an important resource to share with you. Here's Ron with more. 
Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, They include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets. Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles and Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. And then number four, get real about your personal vulnerability. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. 
I can't look inside your heart this morning, only God can, but I, I do worry about that person here who's saying, you know, this really applies to the person three chairs down from me. I, I, I got this thing licked. This, this is not an area of struggle for me, especially when a guy says that. Come on now. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. We've said in the book of Proverbs that Proverbs are general principles that more often than not, this is the way life works. The fool in Proverbs is the person who says, I'm the exception to the rule, and this really doesn't apply to me. So be careful of that. The fifth R that I would give to you, I, I want to say to those who have stumbled in this area, and remember the standard that Jesus raised Adultery to the standard of just a lustful glance. So as I said last week, that, that includes everybody, every, everybody in this room, including your pastor. Uh, none of us has been perfect in this area. And we, we can all feel times of shame and, and, uh, and, and just, uh, uh, well, shame in this area. And, and so if you've stumbled in this area, whether it was 10 years ago or 10 hours ago, the last R, and it's not in your notes, it's not on the screen, it's just right up here, okay? This is, this is bonus, okay? This doesn't cost you anything this morning. Toss it in free of charge. It's the word repent. Confession and repentance is, is a daily spiritual discipline that we all need to practice as believers in Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? We, we never have to kneel at the foot of the cross in shame when we know that our Savior died for us and shed His blood to cleanse us from all sin. Yes, that hope happens at the moment of salvation, that confession and repentance, and you're born into the family of God. But we're, we're, we're still sinners, but saved by the grace of God as followers of Jesus. And, and we're, we're in a, a world where there's great spiritual battles going on. And, and living this thing called the Christian life successfully, yes, does involve the, the daily confession and repentance of our sins. And you can find grace Grace at the foot of the cross every day. As you say, Lord, I, I blew it today, but help me to deny myself, to take up my cross, and to follow you from this day forward. Oh, never abuse the grace of God, but know that his grace is sufficient for you. Uh, wherever you are today, uh, whether you've, say, I don't struggle in this area, or whether you, you've had great struggles in this area, his grace is more than sufficient. There's, there's plenty of room at the foot of the cross. And in that confession and repentance, you, you may not need to find an accountability partner that you can share that with. Because the Bible says there's great strength when we confess our sins to one another. Now, I, I know the implications of that and the difficulty with that. Jesus had 12 disciples, but only three trusted prayer partners. He brought them in a little bit closer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember Peter, James, and John? It was Peter, James, and John who went with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, he had his disciples. He had the 70 out there. He had the larger crowds, but he had three guys who could go to the mat with him, and they all failed him. They fell asleep in the garden. And so I always say, if you can find one, maybe two really trusted people that you can be accountable to, 
that are not going to judge you, that are going to encourage you, that are going to hold you accountable, that are never going to share information about you on social media. You find one or two of those people that are not your spouse, you are a very blessed person. They're hard to find. But that may be what you need in that discipline of confession and repentance, that vertical confession and repentance and somebody to share your struggle with even in a highly, highly confidential kind of way. I pray that the Lord gives you somebody like that. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, it's human nature for us to rationalize sin from time to time. It happened in the Garden of Eden, and it happens now. What are some of the rationalizations you've heard with respect to sexual sin, and what would you say in response? That's a great question, Brian, and you're right. We've all rationalized sin, and we've done it more than once. It's really a defense mechanism designed to help us feel better about our mistake. And we don't want to deal with the guilt, so we deflect, often making excuses and calling them explanations. Adam and Eve did it. I've done it. We've all done it. So I don't want anything I'm about to say to come across as judgmental. I simply want to remind anyone listening that God's motive in all of this is to keep us out of harm's way. He's not trying to prevent us from having fun. He's not keeping some great and wonderful gift from us simply to assert his authority or to watch us grow increasingly frustrated. The truth is, he knows what happens when we go outside of his perfect design for sex and marriage, and he's doing everything he can to help us avoid those consequences. So let me be as clear as I can. Sexual sin takes you down a road that leads to destruction, and there are no exceptions. God did not decide one day to sit down and make a list of arbitrary do's and don'ts. On the contrary, knowing in advance the consequences of doing certain things, he warns us to resist those temptations and stay on the road that leads to life. He's not trying to keep us in line. He's trying to keep us from harm. Now to your question, Brian. Uh, one of the rationalizations I've heard quite often is this idea of testing sexual compatibility as a means of determining marital compatibility, uh, test driving the car, so to speak. A second rationalization goes something like this. Uh, we love each other, and we don't think it's wrong for us to express that love sexually as long as we're monogamous. Now, each rationalization is different, but my response in each case is similar. And it begins with what I just said, that God's blueprint for sex and marriage was not written by accident. It was not arbitrary. He gave us his plan to bless us, not to control us. And we will never get reliable answers to the question of compatibility or to any question at all, for that matter, by going outside the will of God. Nor will we experience a deeper level of love and intimacy with one another. No, sex outside of God's expressed written plan will only lead to confusion, pain, and quite often a failed relationship. Outside of God's plan, sex reduces, not increases the level of love and intimacy a couple enjoys. It's a path that leads to destruction for everyone who takes it, no exceptions. And that's the last thing God wants for us.
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on today's teaching, making wise choices about sex. Ron, as we wrap things up on today's Something Good Radio broadcast, how about telling us where you're headed next time as you move ahead in your current series from Proverbs? Well, as you know, Brian, Proverbs is a book for believers in Jesus Christ to help them grow in wisdom, to grow in their faith. Tomorrow, we'll begin taking a look at the wisdom Solomon shared with his son. And as we move along, keep in mind that the purpose of acquiring wisdom is ultimately to pass it along, to go out into the world and share that wisdom, that faith with those who need it most, especially our own children. The wisdom of God is not meant to exist in a vacuum. It's meant to be shared from generation to generation. And that starts by training our children the way Solomon did. And I'll get into more specifics of what Solomon had to say to his son tomorrow in our study of Proverbs as we uh, move ahead in this, this study called Wise Sayings. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, a father's advice to his son. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying Happy Thanksgiving and thanks for listening.